go. I'm not good with a microphone, so maybe I'll drift away, but uh, hang with me. Uh, there's something in, uh, in this talk for everybody, uh, but maybe specifically for more than just, maybe just one person. But uh, I always uh, start out and I, I thank God for the opportunity to speak His Word uh, to men, and uh, I don't take this lightly at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Word oftentimes answers the Word or is a witness to the Word. So I go to James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter, a stricter judgment. So anybody who talks and says uh, they're going to exposit... Uh, uh, they're going to divide the Word of God. There's a stricter judgment that's going to be upon them. So I don't take this lightly, and I don't think anybody should, but uh, I'm trusting in God. My other disclaimer is that anything that I would say to you today is not original to Mark Miller. Uh, I've borrowed, begged, stolen, plagiarized everything that I'm going to say. So if you hear something from me and say, well, I heard somebody else say that, you're probably true. Uh, nothing's original. Uh, nothing new under the sun, right? So uh, even though I'm here by default, it's God's plan. Amen. Amen. How does that work? I don't know. Uh, take that up with God. But uh, He most certainly has me here for a specific reason. Uh, haven't figured that out yet. So uh, anyway, I also, uh, Mr. McCoskey, could you read that scripture that I uh, gave to you there. So this is another disclaimer that I always come uh, come forward with. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. So again, anything that I say, don't take it as the gospel of Mark. No pun intended. But you check scriptures and you bounce it against scriptures. Um, so uh, the book of James, a great book. You guys have been studying it. I haven't been here uh, a lot of the time. But you've been studying it. It's such a great book, a hard-hitting book. Uh, I, I wish I could have been alive when James was alive. I'd have loved it. I'd love to talk to James because I think he's a straightforward guy and I think he shoots straight and I think he's a black and white guy and that's the kind of way I am. Uh, you, you know that James was Jesus' half-brother uh, and he was writing to Jewish Christians who were had been dispersed. So we know that as a context. But he's also speaking to us. All the epistles were, 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 wrote, were written to Christians and were Christians. So were his audience also. Uh, as I say, it's a very, very impactful book. I would suggest two or three times a year you just sit down and read that book through and then read it slowly through because it's got so many great things in it. Out of 108 verses, there are 60-some imperatives. That's Some of those are hypothetical, but 60 imperatives in 108 verses. He's telling us 
how to walk the walk. He's telling us what to do as Christians. Um, it's called the bossiest book in the Bible. Because James lays it right out. Uh, he doesn't pull any punches. Uh, so in previous studies, you guys have looked at trials and endurance. Wisdom, heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom. Double-mindedness. James talks about being double-minded. Unstable. Uh, he talks about the crown of life. He talks about life's brevity. And just how sure our lives are. He talks about the tongue. A lot about the tongue. About what we say. The name of my talk is More Than Words. It's more than words. Uh, talks about favoritism. He talks about quick to hear, slow to speak. The royal law, the perfect law. Faith, faith without works and works with faith. He talks about bitter envy, selfish ambition. Is anybody getting hot? Yeah, he talks about desires, or desires are less. He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So to start out, I'd like to go back. You understand when the Bible was, was penned, there were no definitive stops between chapters. There were books of the Bible, just books of the Bible. So I'd like to go back a little bit when I read a book and kind of pick up. So I'm going to go back to... Uh, the third chapter. I'm sorry, the fourth chapter. We're going to start at verse 6. And I'm just going to read this. But He gives greater grace. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and He will flee from you. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts. And you double-minded. Double-minded. I like that term. Today we talk about people just being so single-minded. But I think sometimes we're better off being a little more single-minded than being all over the place. He's talking about being double-minded. Verse 9. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. Partially now, fully when we're with Jesus. He'll do the exalting. We don't be needing to do any exalting on our own. Funny thing about words, they're powerful. There's a principle. In our spoken language, it's called the 73855 principle. Anybody familiar with that? Actually, our communication is 93% nonverbal. 7% of how we communicate comes through the spoken language words. 38% is tone and voice. 55% is body language. That's right. How we communicate is more than what we say, it's how we say it, and what's our countenance. So it's more than words. Y'all know what a mime is? 
the guy who says nothing and acts everything out, you can follow the whole story. He says not one word, but words are powerful. So is the tone of our voice. So is our body language. Another thing about words, our vocabulary. 40 to 50% of our data communication comes from 50 words. 100 words gives us 60% of our daily communication. And our whole vocabulary in the course of a day, roughly two to 400 words. There's like 20-some thousand words in the English language, and we choose to use three or 400. So it would be easy to manipulate and to, to change that vocabulary. Just keep that in mind. So your last lesson was on submission. So again, I'll start. Uh, I, I want to read verse... I want to read chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. I got a new Bible and I'm having a hard time figuring it out. <laughs> it's not like my old Bible, but my old Bible is getting pretty beat up. Let me see. That's not it. We'll, just, we'll let's nix that out and uh, we'll go right into uh, what we're going to study here, which is uh, chapter 4, verses 11 through 17. I'll read the whole passage and then we'll go back and look at it verse by verse. So. Uh, obviously in your study book it's speaking well of others so that's really a topic that, that we're going to look at don't criticize this is the Holman uh, study bible life essential study bible so it probably reads different than, than what your book does don't criticize one another brothers and sisters anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames the judge defames and judges the law if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and to do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is. So it is sin to know the good and yet to not do it. Back to verse 11. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. Judge. So do we judge people? Obviously, when we judge, are we taking God's position? Absolutely. 
you cannot criticize. Some, some translations use the word slander there. And slander is a really pretty heavy word. It's really saying a falsehood about somebody. So whether it's a or just a criticism or it's a slander, anytime we do that, and we're talking about fellow brothers in Christ here now, not necessarily, although it's applicable to non-Christians, we're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. It's been said that Christians form their firing squads in circles. You get a word picture there? When you say something towards somebody and you just miss the mark, another Christian gets wounded. Interesting. The law. What is the royal law? Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine tells us what the royal law is. Jesus, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the problems hang on these two commandments. Two greatest, the two greatest commandments. James 2.8 also says, Indeed, you have fulfilled the royal law prescribed in Scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. So, when we criticize, when we judge, when we speak out against others, we're speaking against this royal law of loving our neighbor. Verse 12. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? Who are we to judge our neighbor? Who gives us the authority to judge our neighbor? Yeah, we get our own authority, right, Mr. Gray? Yeah. We take that authority. We actually kick God off the throne say I can handle this I know how to judge this person uh, I'll criticize him but there is the word tells us there's only one lawgiver there's only one judge and we ain't it God is God and we are not <laughs> a worm <clears throat> excuse me uh, so the principle here is when we criticize one another we judge when we judge we are acting as if we are God and speaking against the royal law Matthew 7 1 says judge not thou shalt not be judged with the same measure you judge you shall be it shall be measured against you so maybe, maybe that ought to hold us up a little bit in how we judge others uh, I don't know just a thought just a passing thought guys um Verses 13, 14. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like a vapor that appears for a little while then vanishes. 
You ever been called a vapor, a fog, a smoke? Here today, gone tomorrow? It's really about the brevity of life. James has something to say more about the brevity of life. As a matter of fact, he starts out in the first chapter saying, Let the brother of humble circumstance boast in his exaltation, but let the rich boast in his humiliation, because he will pass away like a flower in the field. For the sun rises, and together with a scorching wind, dries up the grass, its flower falls off, and its beautiful appearance perishes. In the same way, the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. We're just a whisper, guys. We're just a fleeting thought. Who are we to judge? More than words. Boasting in ourselves and assuming we know tomorrow is certain. That's boasting. That's, that's self coming out. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't, we're not promised anything. We know that. I'm speaking to the choir here. I'm preaching to the choir. Everybody knows everything I've said to be pretty much true. Is it wrong to make plans? Is it wrong to make money? No. When does it become wrong? When we leave God out of the equation. When we make our plans, our plans are not His plan. How many times have we run ahead of God and tried to do something and it fell on His face? How many times have we tried to do even ministry under our own power without first seeking God's will? More than words. It's deeper than words. Anything that comes out of the mouth Let's see, i got another scripture there. Uh, I think it's Matthew. Is that right, Carl? Luke 6.46. Luke. Luke 6.46. Yes, sir. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? That's it? Luke 45? No, I think you said Luke 6.46. Sorry. 45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So anything that we say, any words that we put forth comes from a deeper place. It's more than words. It's who we are. Amen. Sometimes we can hide that. Sometimes we can candy coat it. But we must be very careful. Life is short, my fellows. We're just a vapor. We're just a whisper. It's too short not to turn to your neighbor and say, you know, brother, I love you. You know, you mean a lot to me. You know, you've been a real inspiration to me. You know, you've really helped me to become a better man of God. My banner always flies that we need to step up and be more like Jesus. Amen. Every man in this room needs to be more like Jesus. Amen. That's right. and, and take the gun out of your hand and don't form the firing squad and don't criticize your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't do it. Just don't do it. You can abstain, that's one thing, but you can also go deeper. 
and ask God to do a deeper thing, to change really where your heart is and where it comes from. Three things. Life is short. Death is certain. Eternity is long. Life is short. Death is certain. Eternity is long. Get up in the morning and say that. Life is short. Death is certain. Eternity is long. That can base your whole day. That would be a good thing to base your whole day on. So we're just vapors. We're just here temporarily. So verse 15 and 16 say that instead you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your own arrogance. All such boasting is evil. To boast in ourselves, James says, is evil. That's a pretty strong accusation. How many times do we get up in the morning? I'm hoping we all get up in the morning and get into the Word and, and do a little praying and get ourselves prepared, armor up for this world. And how many times do we say, Lord, show me your will today. I just want to be available to what your will is. And then listen. I think that would be a good thing. All boasting is evil. There's a, there's a verse here that I've quoted many times here at Huddle, and, and I do often, and it's the hinchpin of all of these things that we've been talking about. And it's that last verse. It says, I like the NIV uh, version. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Gentlemen, when we become Christians, it's all about the sins of commission. Oh, I don't do that anymore. Oh, I used to do this. I don't do that. I don't do that. That's great. But as we mature, I'm looking at a mature audience, to say the least. As we mature in our walk in Christ, it more becomes about what we don't do. The sins of omission. If you read and study this word in this book, it's got many, many, many things that tell us what we should be doing. It's the hinge pin of all these things. The sins of omission. They make up a huge part of us falling short of doing uh, God's will and God's work. When we commit sins of omission, what usually happens, gentlemen, we resist, we ignore, we quench, we stifle, and we grieve the Holy Spirit. We shut Him down because we're not listening. 
Look, as a mature Christian, you should have that still small voice. As much telling you not what to do, but more than telling you what to do. Because we're called, we're called and equipped to go out and be Christ to the world, to be ambassadors. We have to be guided by the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. Yet we sit around a lot of times and find critical things to say about other people. I'm guilty as charged. Forgive me, Lord, for being so critical of my brothers who work alongside me, who do everything they can do in their own power, and I'm critical. Forgive me. I've sinned. Forgive me. Resisting, ignoring, quenching, stifling. Are we grieving the Holy Spirit? Have you grieved the Holy Spirit lately? Has He told you to do something? Has He told you to talk to this guy? Has He told you to reach out to this person? Has He told you to forgive this person? And yet we haven't? That's a sin of omission. It's a sin, fellas. I'm not judging you. Look, I'm just delivering the mail. This is the mail. I'm delivering it. You guys are receiving it. Don't shoot the mailman. He may bring a check. He may bring a bill. But he just delivers it. He doesn't bring anything other than what's there. So I'm just telling you, that's what it says. That's what the Word says. Just yesterday, a quick story. Um, I'm involved in a courtside ministries, and we go down to the courthouse and set up on the uh, on the sidewalk, and we we pray for people going in and out of the, the courtroom. It's a really really phenomenal ministry. Yesterday we were, you know, we'd been there almost two hours, and uh, me and my friend co-worker were talking, and a fellow came out of the courthouse. He came up to me. I looked at him. I caught his eye. I always like to look in people's eyes just to see what's there. And I said, how are you doing? He goes, I'm doing good. I said, may I pray for you? How may I pray for you? He said, over 44 years ago, I walked in the back of that courthouse. I went before the judge. He sentenced me to 132 years. He said, today, I've been on two years house arrest. Today, they took off my bracelet, and I'm a free man. And I said, when the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? He said, absolutely. And he blessed me so much. And he went on to tell some of his story. He said, you don't, you don't have any idea what I've seen. When I left that penitentiary, a part of me was dead, and I left it. 44 years incarcerated. I'm now 66 years old. I'm going to get on a plane in a couple of days. I'm going to fly out to California. I'm going to be with my father. He's dying. I'm going to take care of him. I said, what a blessing. You are free indeed. That's my God. That's our God. Absolutely. And you know what? I wouldn't have known any of that had I just stepped up and just said a simple thing like, how are you doing? May I pray for you? There's people like that all over. Minutes before that, another man came out. He was hanging his head. He was despondent. We gathered around him. We talked to him. Uh, we asked him a few questions. 
within five minutes he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Amen. Just because we had some simple words, we offered ourselves. We showed him we cared for him. We loaded him up with all kinds of materials and man, we hugged him and we loved on him and we sent him off and I'm just praying to God. We, we sent several invitations to churches. I'm praying uh, that he shows up somewhere and if someone's able to disciple him properly, uh, we, we'd like to see that happen. But if we don't reach out, if we don't extend ourselves, if we don't just say a few kind words, remember, it's only 7% about what you say. It's 93% about how you say it and how you present yourself. Life's short. Death's certain. Eternity's long. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. Don't stifle that spirit within you. Cultivate that spirit. So my, uh, my charge to you guys and my challenge is this. Change your vocabulary. It's easy. You're only using two or three hundred words. Come on, we can do that. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of uh, Philippians four eight. Mister Gray, do you know that by heart? I can do all things. No, four okay. four eight. If anything's pure, if anything's lovely, if anything's kind, if anything's praiseworthy, if anything is righteous, think on those things. Dwell on those things. Let those things dwell in your heart. And you'll be so full of the Holy Spirit when somebody bumps you, that Holy Spirit will spill out. It just spills right out on them. You can't help it. You're compelled. You don't have to think of what you'll say. It'll just come out. What you, what, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Bible in, Bible out. Come on. It's a simple principle. So my challenge is change your vocabulary. Get into the Word of God. Allow the Holy Spirit full reign of your words and your actions. Don't stifle the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit. It's not good enough that the Holy Spirit's resident in your life. Make Him president of your life. Right? Not just resident. You've heard it. He's either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. Right? Give Him everything. We just talked about surrender on the last lesson. Maybe, maybe this is the next step. If you really surrendered, you're going to listen to the Spirit. You're all going to make up your mind that when you hear that still small voice, you're going to say yes and you're going to do it no matter what it seems like. Lean not into your own understanding, but always acknowledge Him. He will make your path straight. That's all I got for you, but I do have a couple of questions you might, you all have some time for discussion. And I, I'm praying for this discussion time, guys. I really am. Uh, don't skim along the surface. Come on. Get deep. Be vulnerable. Open up. This is a good, safe place. I'm praying that everybody here does have that in them, that they don't take anything outside and start talking. We just talked about not talking about your brothers, not, not throwing darts at your brothers so what this is the you might want to write it down but you take notes what sin of omission has caused you the greatest challenge what sin of omission has caused you the great challenge it'd be something like 
lack of prayer, lack of forgiveness, being stunted in your faith, not sharing the gospel, the good news. I don't know. What sin of omission has caused you the greatest challenge? And that probably has changed throughout your life, but... I could, I could air out my laundry, but you don't want to hear that. You, you, you guys need your talks here at the table. You really need time together. This is where iron sharpens iron. That's right. That's right. And, and I hope you're having this. Look, guys, it's not a playground out there. It's a battleground. Amen. That's right. And if you ain't armored up and you, ain't, you don't have a, a circle of friends, you're all on your own. He's going he to cut you up. He's going to tear you down. He's going to kill, steal, and destroy. He can do it. None of us alone can face it. So what sinful mission has caused you the greatest challenge? Um, like I say, it might be, God may be saying, you need to spend time in the Word, and you're not. God may be saying, I need to forgive that person, and you're not. You fill in the blank. There's lots of room for blanks, okay? So uh, let me say a small, small prayer for you, and I thank you for... Uh, hanging with me it wasn't, it wasn't the most polished uh, talk but I, I think there's a little grain of uh, salt in there I think there's a nugget in there for somebody So, almighty God holy 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 are you Lord I thank you for this group of men Lord who, who most of them I see as familiar faces are loyal to this ministry of huddle uh, I've come here for years Lord I just pray, Father, right now that your spirit would come down upon them, would anoint them, would give them boldness, courage to be transparent, uh, to sharpen one another, to lift another up, to edify, Lord, to do the things that you've called us to do as your body, one to another. Help us, Lord, when we have the critical spirit, when we want to slander somebody. Help us, Lord, that we would pause. Help us, Father, that we would start that change deep within us to do more for you. I pray these things because I trust you and I love you. In the almighty God, in the almighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.